Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Let us pray. Jesus, on this night, this night where we celebrate your birth, we pray, Lord, that we sense your presence among us, that you draw near. We pray these things in your name. Good evening. My name is Kimberly. Yes, you can have a seat. I am um, also one of the priests here. We are so glad that you are here worshiping with us tonight. When I was around 10 or 11 years old, my family went on a quick weekend trip to Hannibal, Missouri, which was just a couple hours away from where I grew up. Um, most people probably aren't all that familiar with Hannibal, but it is the birthplace of the author Mark Twain, so if you've heard of it, that is probably the only reason. It's kind of just a little blip on the map, but thanks to Twain, it is a little bit touristy, and like any reputable touristy town, it has a wax museum. So my family decided that we would go through and tour this wax museum while we were there. It had replicas of Twain and others, but it also had replicas of scary creatures like werewolves and zombies and skeletons. I do not like scary things. Prior to going in, my parents, who knew that I did not like scary things, they didn't inform me that there were skeletons and zombies and the like in this wax museum. And in fact, in preparing for this sermon, Sarah was around when I was doing this, I decided to Google the wax museum because I'd not like, researched it to see if it was around anymore. And over 30 years later, I came to discover that it was actually called the Haunted House on Hill Street. <laughs> I, I failed to notice that when I went with my family, and my family also did not tell me that. So we purchased tickets to go in. We entered the museum. It's an old house, kind of a rickety little white home with a porch, low ceilings, very dark inside. And we moved from room to room looking at the figures. And honestly, they were all a little bit creepy. If you've been in a wax museum, you know that. They're like a little strange. Eventually, though, we entered a room that was a little bit darker than the others, and it was full of scary figures. Between the combination of the lack of light and how frightened I was, I froze. I just couldn't move. I was scared out of my mind, and I wanted nothing more than to get out of that place, but I also couldn't find the ability to move. I can remember thinking, if only there was light, and I could see a little better in front of me or behind me or to the side of me, everything would be okay. If only there were a window or something. I longed to get out into the bright, warm, humid, sunny weather that was a Missouri summer, out of the darkness of this wax museum. Tonight, on Christmas Eve, in this darkened room, we are gathered together to celebrate the most holy of things, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And later on in this service, as Peter mentioned earlier, we will light candles as a symbol of the light that he is. Jesus, born a child, but yet a king, born on a dark night under Roman rule, the light of the world, a light to the nations, the one who causes the darkness to pass away. Jesus, the light shining in the darkness, was born into darkness in the midst of chaos and oppression. As this Advent season comes to a close with Christmas Eve, I've been reflecting back on how we've pressed into the sense of longing and darkness that comes with the season of Advent. And we've been doing this, if you haven't been with us, through Advent hymns. We've been led by the band in singing lines such as, Come, thou long-expected Jesus, and... The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot be overcome. Last week we sang, let the fires of your justice burn, wipe away all tears, for the dawn draws near, and the world is about to turn. 
And earlier on in Advent, we sang, O come, O come, Emmanuel. These words, they are not merely lyrics and songs. They proclaim the truth of the gospel. And now, after sitting in the darkness of the season of Advent, the night that we have been longing for and singing about and praying about, it is finally here, a night where each year we get to celebrate the first coming of Jesus, born to set thy people free. But this night, it's not about magic or presence under the tree. It is about the mystery of God's incarnation, divinity becoming human in the form of a vulnerable infant. And while this is, without a doubt, something to be celebrated tonight and always, it is also a night that is enveloped in darkness, a darkness that could only be lifted by the bright, brightest of lights, a flame of faith that illuminates our steps. For many of us, darkness is something that we are quite familiar with, not simply the darkness of a long, cold winter's night, like the last couple nights here in Texas, but the darkness that comes with living life, the darkness that comes with being human. Darkness presents itself in many forms. Some of us may be experiencing it even tonight in the form of doubt, strained relationships, physical ailments, financial struggles, addiction, and so on. I recently heard a Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter talking about a story that he did on teens today and the deep loneliness and mental health issues that they are experiencing related to the pandemic and the use of technology and social media. There is certainly darkness around us in the world in systemic ways such as war, sex trafficking, abuse, the thousands of asylum seekers gathered our own border, the border of Texas, lack of affordable housing, racism, and so much more. There is often also a unique sense of darkness in the days and the weeks leading up to Christmas, related perhaps to missing loved ones who have departed this earth, loneliness, or difficult family relationships. In looking to find relief from the darkness, we often look to things like setting New Year's resolutions since the new year is almost here, the newest bright, shiny products that promise to solve all of our problems, trending self-help methods, escape through consumption of media. Surely, we think, these things will help us find our way to the light. Some of these things do provide a temporary fix, and God has absolutely given us resources to help so to support us in our darkness, such as therapy, medication, relationships with others, and support groups. But often, we still find that something is missing. So in these times of darkness, when the pain of life may seem too much, where are we to look for relief? Dr. Gardner Taylor was an American Baptist preacher who passed away in 2015 at the age of 97. In some circles, he was known as the Dean of American Preaching. When teaching seminary classes on preaching, he was often known to share a story from when he was preaching as a young man in Louisiana during the Depression. Electricity was just coming into that part of the country, and he was preaching in a small church that was in rural Louisiana. And in the church, they had one light bulb hanging from the ceiling. He was preaching away, and in the middle of his sermon, all of a sudden, the electricity went out. The building went pitch black, and being a young, rather inexperienced preacher, Dr. Taylor didn't know what to say. He kind of stumbled around a bit until one of the elderly deacons way in the back of the church cried out, Preach on, preacher! We can still see Jesus in the dark. 
In today's Old Testament reading from Isaiah, the prophet declares, the people who have walked in the darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shined. This prophecy, it is about a king and a kingdom that would usher in peace, not only for Israel, but for the whole world. It's from the 8th century BC, and it was written when Israel was in a very dark place. While today's verses in Isaiah talk of this great light that is to come, they are bookended by darkness. Just prior to these verses, Isaiah is critiquing the people of Judah. And in verse 1, we see this transition to Isaiah's promise of a righteous ruler from the line of David. In these verses from Isaiah, they prophesy, they say, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And following today's reading, in verses 8, darkness returns, and Isaiah condemns Israel's idolatry and social injustices. Throughout Isaiah, we see light and dark contrasted with one another, and in our gospel reading today from Luke, we see Isaiah's prophecy fulfilled. Luke's narrative of the story of Jesus' birth and entry into the world, it is a complicated one. Jesus' birth story takes place among suffering, oppression, and darkness. He was born into the oppressive Roman Empire, a Jewish baby, born to a virgin mother, born to refugee parents, born in an unremarkable town. His birth was a humble one, taking place in a manger, he is the most unlikely of kings. Mary and Joseph, they had just arrived in Joseph's hometown of Bethlehem after traveling there for the emperor's edict of a census, which meant to ensure that each family would give due tribute to Rome. In Mary's relationship to Joseph, it was one of betrothal, which was a step further than engagement. So think of engagement, but even a little serious, maybe like a pre-marriage. And they were traveling together, which was almost unheard of at this time. Yet as we know, Mary was near giving birth to a child conceived miraculously by God. And so it seems it made the most sense for her to be with her promised husband when her child was about to be born. And this is the backdrop into which Jesus came earthside. The story of Jesus' birth, it easily could have centered the rich and the powerful, but instead the lowly are centered. Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds. The shepherds who live on the margins of society who are rarely noticed. It is more common than not for God to use people such as the shepherds, people whose society ignores to reveal his message. We might have expected such news about the birth of the Son of God, a royal and political figure, to be first delivered to the rich and the powerful, but in fact it is the shepherds who receive news of the birth of Jesus and its saving message for all people. Luke says, Gabriel appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. When Gabriel appeared, it caused light to break into the darkness of the fields where the shepherds tended their sheep. And again, we see this contrast, like we saw in Isaiah, between light and dark. Gabriel says to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. About the arrival of Christ, Gregory of Nyssa once said, today the darkness begins to grow shorter and the light to lengthen. As the hours of night become fewer, realize that the true light is now here, through the rays of the gospel and is illumining the whole earth. Even when we feel like we are holding on by a thread, 
when we are weary, when all hope may feel lost, when we feel unseen or unimportant, Jesus enters into darkness. He enters into our darkness. And he becomes the light by which we see everything, and everything is made new. The birth of Jesus, it does not mean that all of our experiences of darkness will poof, go away. Choosing to follow him does not promise us a life of free of anxiety or pain, or that the injustices of the world around us will cease to exist. But without him, we are grasping around in the dark. We are, in fact, still waiting for the second coming of Jesus. Christ has come, and as we proclaim each week during the liturgy of the table, Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. The kingdom has come near. We are living in it now. But the best part of the kingdom, it is yet to come. Just as Jesus was born into darkness, he is present to us in our own times of darkness, a bright and steady light. Our future rests not in our own power or ability to escape the darkness, but in our Lord Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin Mary. Even when we are surrounded by darkness, Jesus shines bright. Just as the deacon in that rural Louisiana church said, we can still see Jesus in the dark, and he can see us. And the good news of the gospel is that in the times that you cannot see Jesus in the dark, he can see you. Darkness does not stop the good news of the birth of the Messiah. It is announced even in the darkness, the darkness that is present in your life. It cannot overcome the bright light of Jesus. His birth, it was the turning point of human history, and the world is still dark in many ways. There is evil and injustice, but the light is coming. The kingdom of God, it has drawn near. A time of peace and prosperity is coming, all because God was born in a manger in Bethlehem. In the Christmas movie Elf, that some might call a classic, Will Ferrell's character, Buddy, a human who's raised as an elf in the North Pole, he sees a mall Santa, and if you've seen the scene, you're likely replaying it in your head right now. He's like, I know him! I'm not as good as Will Ferrell. But you can remember, there's a sense of enthusiasm and excitement. We watch Elf most years as a family, and each time we watch it and I see that scene, I wonder... What if when talking about Jesus, about knowing him, about being known by him, about him entering into our darkness, what if we exclaimed that we know him with that same fervor? In a time such as this, we get to excitedly proclaim, I know him. I, we know this Prince of Peace, this bright light come to save. Tonight, we celebrate the unimaginable, an infant king born in a manger, breaking into the darkness. Not just on that night, but forevermore for you and for me and for all. If your story involves darkness, suffering, loss, pain, doubt, Jesus is for you. Jesus is not for those who's just for those whose lives seem perfect or those who never have moments of doubt or uncertainty. Jesus is for all of us. And by the power of the incarnation, he has come to dwell among us in our messiness, in order to be with us, he humbled himself by coming down to earth in the form of a vulnerable infant. Against all odds, our Savior was born, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he is still working in among us today. Christ is the light of the world that shattered the darkness, and now we carry this very light in us. So as we light our candles later in service, let love, joy, peace, and hope rise up in your heart.
The light has come and Jesus is coming again. We wait and watch in anticipation for his return. Amen.